0: We have another battle in the long-running war between the state treasurer of North Carolina, Dale Folwell, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. He announced last week that the state health plan will be switching from Blue Cross Blue Shield to Aetna. We'll give you the details and the context on this long-running saga. From Fulcrum Strategies and Flatlining.net, this is the Flatlining Podcast. everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast. The podcast brings you great healthcare analysis and discussion each week. I'm Matthew Handley from flatlining.net, and with me as he has been is the President and CEO of Fulcrum Strategies and economist Ron Howard. Ron, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. It's always good to be here.
0: Today, we're spending our time talking about a current issue in our company's home state, and that's in North Carolina, and that is the decision by the North Carolina state treasurer to switch the state health plan from Blue Cross Blue Shield to Aetna. But in order to do that, I want to have some backstory, Ron, and some context here, because this is a just a, an episode in a long-running saga. Um, you could even say some sort of war or battle, if you will, between the state treasurer and Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina, and I guess I guess we should start with this: is who is Dale Fulwell, the state treasurer?
1: Um, Dale is a, uh, I think, a CPA accountant by background who mm-hmm. won election as state treasurer. He's now been reelected once, so um, sort of two elections ago, um, and he came into the state treasurer position um, on a platform of wanting to take a serious look at the state's budget and try to cut that budget wherever possible. Not a bad thing Mm -hmm. to want to do if you're the treasurer um and so that's sort of dale a little bit about dale's background
0: and he's previously he was in the north carolina house Mm -hmm. um i believe he's had one run for lieutenant governor which he lost i don't recall what year that was in but that did come up today as i was prepping for the program Mm -hmm. and he he definitely sees himself because and he says this on, on a number of interviews on cnbc and others that he sees himself as the protector of the purse for the state of north carolina
1: yeah, he's clearly a fiscal conservative, um, and and you're absolutely right. He wears that I'm the protector of the purse and looking at the state's budget um, as a, a badge of courage. And and again, you know, anybody looking at governmental budgets and trying to make sure that that we're spending tax dollars appropriately is not a bad thing in and of itself.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I think I would generally agree with many of his. Uh, principles and perhaps even some of his ideas on 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 trying to you know cut government spending to save the state of North Carolina some money I know some people I know a lot of people are very sympathetic to some of his mm-hmm. ideas um but one of those th- one of those things as we've talked about before that he identified in the state budget is the cost of the state employees health plan both the cost of the pension and the state employees health plan he seems to like talking about the two at the same time even though they're two different things he needs to tackle. Back in 2019, in February, he spoke and testified at the North Carolina State House in the Health Committee, and uh, he said this as part of his testimony when he's talking about the state health plan.
2: I was called last week by a senator who got visited by uh, five different hospitals, and the person called me because it actually dawned on them after the fifth visit that, A, they were all saying the same thing. But more importantly, he dawned on this particular legislator that this is y'all's problem. I just have responsibility for trying to fix it. Even though the state health plan spends over $3 billion a year, the state auditors do not have access to vendor contracts and cannot independently verify that the state is receiving the proper contractual discounts doesn't no matter what chamber you're from or what party you're a member of, I don't think anybody in this room wants the state treasurer paying bills when we don't know what the bills are
0: for. Right. So that was back in February of 2019. And he was taking issue with the fact that he couldn't see the prices in the health care contracts between Blue Cross, Blue Shield, which was the network for the state health plan, and what they pay the providers. So, how. I mean, I guess, Ron, because what they do, because the state of North Carolina is a self-funded payer. They're, they're the ones paying for the health care. It's not insurance in the same way that a lot of employer-based insurance mm-hmm. is. Does the state treasurer or the auditors for North Carolina have a right to see those contracts?
1: Um. Yes and no. Okay, so, you know, this is sort of mostly true what he's saying, but not completely true. So do you have the right to see the contracts um and see exactly how much Blue Cross has negotiated to pay for a specific doctor or a specific hospital for a certain service. No, you don't. Those contracts have confidentiality clauses in them. One, that protects that hospital from having it be public information, how much they've agreed to sell their services um, to uh, to Blue Cross for, and also protects Blue Cross from the hospital relaying that information so he can't and and he tried and and was was not allowed to see how much you know the university of north carolina medical center um has agreed to sell their services to blue cross or duke university or rex or wake or anybody else okay Mm -hmm. now the part that's sort of not really true it's not like they're willy-nilly paying bills and he couldn't call for an audit right absolutely could call for an audit and an external agency could come in a, a, a CPA firm or a law firm, and they could come in and sample claims to make sure that Blue Cross was really paying according to the contract. I guarantee you, Blue Cross was paying according to the contract. That's not really what he was wanting to know is were they appropriately paying the contract. He wanted to know what the contracted rates were, Mm -hmm. and that's what he can't know.
0: So in, of course, we can't speak specifically about any particular payer or any particular Mm -hmm. provider, but when we look at something like a state health plan, does the contracted rate vary between provider to provider or is it a set rate, sort of like Medicare or Medicaid, where you're going to be paid at whatever the, the state health plan has set the rate at?
1: Um, the contracts between Blue Cross or any payer and doctors and hospitals are a, you know, uh, arm's length, good faith, faith exchange and negotiation. You know, there's a, they're a supplier of service, whether it's a doctor or a hospital and a purchaser of service. And the purchaser can't just say, well, you have to accept X dollars for this. There's an offer and an acceptance and like anything else. Okay, so there is a variation between hospitals and how much they get paid, between doctors and how much they get paid. Um, And that's one of the things that I think bothered Dale was that there wasn't one uniform fee schedule. Now, he could, and he tried later to say, well, I'm only going to pay X. The problem is that in a free market capitalistic society is somebody who sells our services could say, I'm not selling for that. Right. And could refuse to accept it. And then you really don't have a a network. Now, one of Dale's issues from the beginning, and it's an issue. Okay. So, so that people don't think he was just barking up the wrong tree. If you look at per capita spending for the North Carolina state budget and compare it to the South Atlantic as a region of the United States overall, we spend more money per capita for health and hospitals in this state than either of those, than United States average or even the, the, our region. Mm-hmm. We spend less per capita for public welfare. That's mostly Medicaid, social programs like that. We spend less per capita for K through 12 education. We less We spend less on highways and roads, less on police, less on corrections. The only area where we spend more than the rest of the country is health and hospitals. And that's one of the reasons why he focused on it. Was he said well this must be an area where our budget is way out of whack and he went after it
0: mm-hmm. but
1: but again it's yes these are all individually negotiated contracts they vary um it depends on what the supplier of the service is willing to sell it for and what the purchaser of the service is willing to pay for it
0: so let's talk then about who drives the cost for the state health plan then is it blue cross blue shield or are they the ones driving up the cost or would you say it's we, we, I mean, I'll, I'll give Dale some credit that he hasn't gone after providers necessarily and saying they're the greedy, greedy doctors. He seems to have more of a bone to pick with Blue Cross. But who's driving the cost here? Is it Blue Cross or more of the providers?
1: Well, so I, I think his issue with Blue Cross is is more that they didn't just do exactly what he wanted them to do. Okay, You know, they didn't fall in the line. You know, Blue Cross or any payer, if you will. Um, to a large degree, if you think about the cost of healthcare as like a package, what Blue Cross does is put a bow on it. You know, I mean, the part of their part of the overall healthcare cost is is relatively small. They're administering it. The bulk of the cost for healthcare has to do with how much you have to pay for a delivery and a knee surgery and to see mm-hmm. a doctor. And to so you know, it's it's an awful simplified way to say, well, the providers are driving up the cost. They're 85% of the price of the product. Now there's a lot of factors that make North Carolina a more expensive state than a lot of other States, um, factors like almost a complete lack of competition. Um, there are a hundred counties in this state and there are only, I think three counties that have any hospital competition. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, Mecklenburg, um, Winston-Salem and, and Wake County. Mm -hmm. Um, Forsyth, Mecklenburg, Forsyth, yep. and Wake County. So the rest of the 97 counties are one-hospital towns, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that's a problem. You know, we have Certificate of Need here where you, you can't just open up competition for ambulatory surgery centers and MRIs. That drives up cost. Um, we have a relatively unhealthy lifestyle in North Carolina. That drives up costs. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of factors that make us an expensive state for everything from economic factors to health status factors. Um, but I don't think it's fair to say Blue Cross is driving up the cost. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, nor is it fair to say that providers are just being greedy.
0: Now he mentioned in that testimony that he 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 thinks the auditors are not able to verify the contractual discount that Blue Cross is offering them. How, how can a state health plan verify the contractual discount that they're getting?
1: Well, the auditors could verify that they that Blue Cross is paying according to the contract. What he meant by verify the contractual discount is tell him how much you know, mm-hmm. how much United or how much UNC is getting paid to do a delivery right. or to take care of a cancer patient. That's what he really wanted to know because he wanted to know how much UNC gets paid compared to how much Duke gets paid compared to how much Rex gets paid to Moses going to, you know, and, and that he can't know. Um mm-hmm
0: it's interesting that to me that he picked an institution like UNC. Granted, it probably sees a lot of state employees because it's in a it's in a you know well populated area in, in the Raleigh Durham triangle area. But wouldn't that be necessarily more expensive than what they would pay at a hospital, say in you know Vance County or somewhere out in Henderson County?
1: Um, yeah. You know, you would expect especially a teaching uh institution to be significantly more expensive than a rural hospital. I think he picked on UNC because it also is a, you know, state funded, publicly mm-hmm. funded institution. Right. You know, part of his argument was, well, wait a minute, I'm sending you state money. You have to tell me this stuff. Um, and UNC said, no, I, I actually don't. And the courts actually agreed with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you you teased on it a, a few minutes ago that he tried to create a solution for this, uh, what he saw as a problem. And it was called what he called it his clear pricing project. And here he is in his own words on the state health plan YouTube channel back in June of 2019. So several months after his testimony to the state house uh, explaining his new initiative.
2: Hello, I'm state treasurer Dale Falwell. One of my greatest responsibilities as keeper of the public purse is managing the state health plan, which provides health care to more than seven hundred twenty seven thousand state employees and dependents who teach our children, protect our streets, pave our roads, and perform the other important core functions of state government. As part of my job, I'm always looking for ways to make sure your state health plan is financially stable and here for you in the future. Right now, the plan is on an unsustainable path because no one knows what health care really costs. That's why we're implementing the Clear Pricing Project. We want to increase transparency, lower cost, and push the power down to you, the consumer. Why? Because everyone has had this experience or knows someone who has. You go to the doctor because you or a loved one are sick or hurt. You sign some paperwork, pay your copay, get seen by a provider, and then go home. Hopefully you're feeling better, but then you get a long explanation of benefit statement that might be confusing. Then you get the bill. You're looking at it and thinking, how could it cost this much? What is this charge for what in the world is a facility fee in other words we don't consume health care it consumes us we want health care to be just like everything else you purchase we're going to do this by setting our own transparent rates so that we and you know exactly how much medical services cost before you consume them we're going to reimburse providers at the rates set by medicare Plus, on average, an additional 82%. Some primary care doctors, mental health specialists, and rural hospitals will get pay increases under these new rates. It will also save the state and taxpayers like you approximately $286 million. Members of the plan will save more than $50 million, which may allow us to lower premiums, co-pays, and deductibles in the future. Providers who currently care for state health plan members like you should accept our new reimbursement rates because it's the right thing to do to bring transparency back into health care pricing. If you have the opportunity, please talk to your health care provider about partnering with the plan to reduce costs and keep your plan financially sound. You'll be learning more about this leading into open enrollment for your 2020 benefits, so stay tuned. For more information, please visit our state health plan website at shpnc.org. This is Treasurer Falwell, and I thank you for your service to the people of North Carolina.
0: So again, State Treasurer Dale Falwell on the State Health Plan YouTube channel back in June of 2019 as he was introducing his clear pricing plan initiative. Uh, Ron, as you mentioned, that he wanted to see the rates from Blue Cross Blue Shield, they wouldn't show him. UNC wouldn't show him. A court said you can't see him. He he did a number of TV interviews where he had a heavily redacted fee schedule. You know, lots of black markings on it where he couldn't see anything. Showing off that these this is what we're paying for. We don't know how much it costs. He had a number in there. Uh, he said Medicare rates plus eighty two percent. And if I recall, that is not what the offer was that went out to providers.
1: No, it's not. The offer that went out to providers were for hospitals. He wanted to pay Medicare plus 77% and for doctors, Medicare plus 60%. Um, that's what, what actually got put out. So, it's, I mean, it's not too far off, but it, it wasn't 82. It was 77 right. for hospitals and 60 for doctors.
0: So one of the things he did, he, he, he was encouraging people, you know, talk to your doctor about being on this plan so that they can keep seeing you. What ended up happening? so this became
1: um a bit of a problem for dale and it, and it ended up i think it'll end up sort of backfiring on him and already has quite a bit so what in essence he did is he was looking at things on the average and you know you notice he, he calculated how much this would save him so mm-hmm. he, he knows roughly all the services that he paid for he knows what medicare would have paid for them so he could back into across every service how much doctors got paid on average as a percentage of Medicare in hospitals. So what he did when he set that 177 and that 160 is he just dropped the average down a little bit, okay? Um, That's how he was going to save money. Mm -hmm. And what he was trying to do is force everybody to take that average number. Now, he's absolutely right. For many hospitals and providers, that would be an increase. Right. But whenever you deal with averages, there's that whole right side of the curve that would be a decrease, Mm-hmm. And for some facilities, a significant decrease for some doctors, a significant decrease. so it'd be a little bit like me saying, "Hey, you know, I'm a car guy, and I know that the average new car sells for forty eight thousand dollars okay and and I have my now my new clear pricing car purchasing program and and I want to purchase cars at forty eight thousand dollars heck, I want to save a little bit of money. I want to purchase cars at forty five thousand dollars." And I'm going to take this new program and I'm going to go to the Ferrari dealership and I'm going to say, but you see, you, you should sell me a car at this, my new clear pricing plan. So I want to drive out of the dealership with one of your Ferraris for $45,000. They're going to say to me the same thing that really most of the hospitals said to Dale, go pound sand. Mm-hmm. I'm not selling my car, my Ferrari, for forty-five thousand dollars. It's worth more than that. So you can think of a Duke or a UNC or uh, most of the hospitals. When they looked at his program, they went, "No, I'm not selling it." And they didn't. And they didn't sign up. So he really didn't get any hospital to agree to it. What he did get was about half of the non-hospital providers, physicians, physical therapists, those kind of folks, to sign up for it. And guess what? It was the half of the, of the market that was getting paid less than 160% of Medicare. Mm-hmm. They got huge increases, some of them massive increases. Right. Okay? The half on the right side of the, of the curve that would have to take a pay cut to see that said, no, I'll stay right where I'm at. So in the end, what he got was a state employee's health plan with no hospitals agreeing to his program, so he didn't save any money there. Part of the physician and therapy, you know, the non hospital providers agreeing to take the one sixty, which increased his costs. And really none of the people that were getting paid more than one sixty under their contract agreeing to it. So they stayed right where they were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in some sense he made the problem a whole lot worse than it ever was. Right. By the way he, he and it's and I think it's sort of a lack of understanding of how this was gonna play out and how healthcare works. You can't well, buy a Ferrari for forty five thousand right. dollars, and you're not going to get tertiary care hospitals to agree to one seventy seven of Medicare.
0: And what it sounds like he thought was that he had enough control over the plan to determine who would who would be part of the plan and who wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, if a doc- I think he thought that if a doctor wasn't going to take or a hospital wasn't going to take the rates, they wouldn't be part of the plan. And obviously, that's not what happened. Even though I think there was some fear about that for a little while that you'd have no hospitals as part of the state health plan which is a completely unsustainable model for healthcare.
1: Yeah, I mean it, you're absolutely right. I mean he it was a there was a little bit of a game of chicken that got played. He had, you know, 720,000 members and 3.3 3 billion dollars of purchasing behind him and he said uh, I'll show you, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make this happen and the hospitals and doctors said, well, I'll show you, we're just not going to care for him. Um and and he lost that game because mm-hmm. in the end the hospitals stood strong and then again most of the big medical groups you know that said no not going to do it um and, and he can't you know he can't have a state employees health plan without any hospitals or without the key medical groups and so you know it didn't work
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: was what it you know what where he uh, where he failed on that on that uh, game of chicken
0: so he tried to force a, a particular rate. Uh, you said one sixty for non-hospitals, and one you say one seventy two for hospitals.
1: It was it one seventy seven?
0: One seventy seven for hospitals, um, which none of them signed up for, and yeah. the, only the people that did agree to it were the people where it got increases. Yeah. So obviously, it cost the state a lot of money
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in the in the year following. I would imagine once those rates became effective. Do we know how much more the state of North Carolina paid? Because of this decision.
1: Well, we don't, because we had this little event. You know, this was all going on in 2019. I think mm-hmm. he, you know, he implemented this starting July 1 of 2019. And and there's you know there's a claims what they call a claims lag. So you're really not going to see the impact of it for three to six months because you know somebody who had a service done on July 1st of 2019, right after the program was put in place. You know, that claim doesn't get paid for until 30 days, and it's so there's this whole runoff thing. Well, what happened at the end of 2019 and early 2020? COVID, right. So we don't know because we all of a sudden got thrown into this, you know, this you know world-shattering event. And one of the early things that happened, if you remember, the early part of COVID was they shut down all the elective. Mm-hmm. Surgeries and people weren't getting their mammograms done. So, actual for self funded groups, healthcare costs went way down because mm-hmm. people weren't getting their their knees fixed and stuff like that. So, just now he probably is seeing what's happening as we get back to sort of normal. Right. Um, I haven't seen any numbers and they haven't had many numbers come out recently on the state employee health plan, what it's costing, et cetera. My guess is Dale, who does see those numbers, realizes that, oh my God. It's a lot worse now. And he may think that it wasn't his program. He may blame the hospitals or Blue Cross or whatever, whatever. But I think we're now going to start to see the the real impact. And we didn't see it right away because of COVID.
0: And that perhaps prompted the decision to put out a new bid, uh, which we can talk about a little bit later in the program. But I'm glad you mentioned COVID because also during COVID in 2020, that was a reelection year for Dale mm-hmm. Falwell. He was up for reelection as a state treasurer. And I've noticed he, he doesn't appear to be one who likes to do interviews a whole lot, uh, except with PBS North Carolina. And he did do a PBS North Carolina program where they did talk about his clear pricing plan. And he was asked about it uh, as he was running for reelection.
2: Well, uh, we're very pleased to announce that 25,000 providers of health care said yes to clear pricing. And to show your viewers, uh, as you've seen before, When I attempted to find out what the state health plan was paying for health care, this is what one big health care conglomerate in North Carolina sent me. This is the master price list of what people are charged for health care in North Carolina. Every single page was completely redacted. So we're trying to get rid of secret contracts, push the power to the consumer. Even after offering the big hospitals 200% profit, that's 200% of Medicare reimbursement. They still said no, but... Uh, people are no longer going to tolerate having 20 percent of their income going towards something they don't know the price and the value of.
0: Now, I don't know if he misspoke, but I'm sure anyone working in healthcare will tell you 200 percent of Medicare is not 200 percent of profit. True. Yep. Um, and did that did they ever negotiate that high for the hospitals that you're aware of in North Carolina to get to 200 percent of Medicare?
1: Um. I know there were discussions thrown around um, mm-hmm. about negotiating the number up, but remember the hospitals in North Carolina can't negotiate in total; they can't all come together and say that's collusion that that's antitrust right. violations yep. um so I don't think there was ever a clear quote unquote negotiation and i don't think I don't think there was ever a clear offer of two hundred percent. My understanding was there was offer to some hospitals, and I think they were trying to sort of break the you know the pack, if you would, at two hundred percent. But by that time, both sides were so firmly dug in that it wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, and and I think even for um, a number of hospitals, even two hundred percent of Medicare wouldn't wouldn't make it work for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because as he's doing this, he's doing this interview. It's important to keep in mind he's running for reelection. I, I don't want to necessarily accuse him of bait and switch, but his messaging appears to have changed when we got into 2020. It seemed to be less about how much it costs the state and more about this is really good for consumers because we'll have transparent pricing laws. I'm curious what you make of, of that shift.
1: Well, so there was, you know, there was obviously this is the electionary shift um, and we're, we're looking for the, you know, and every politician does it. I'm not, I'm not, you mm-hmm. know, bashing on Dale. I mean, he's every politician does it. Um, you know, we're looking for that thing or that soundbite that's going to fix. Um, I also thought found it was interesting that the comment about 25,000 healthcare practitioners Mm -hmm. signed on. Okay.
0: Here's what I found.
1: Sounds (laughs) like a big number. You think, my God, that must be every doctor there. It is twice. There's only 16,000 doctors in the state of North Carolina. So now he said healthcare practitioners, which includes physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, mm-hmm. includes lab workers, includes... So, I, first of all, I, I I don't believe the number was actually 25,000 individual healthcare practitioners. I think they were doing a lot of double counting. And part of that is if you were a physical therapist, let's say, that worked at three different addresses, you got counted three times. Hmm. And, and it, it's hard to really to have an accurate number, but it was also designed to sound like everybody and their brother signed on, which they didn't. Right. Um, a large number of physicians clearly didn't, especially the physicians who were, you know, where a lot of the money's being spent and none of the hospitals did. So, you know, at this point when he's running for re-election, it's all about sound bites, et cetera. And I'm sure there were equally inaccurate sound bites on, on the side of the hospitals if they were
0: asked. Right. Absolutely, but and, and but as you mentioned just a few moments ago, it was about half of the non-hospital uh, providers that signed on to it. The yeah. other half said no. Yeah. It, as as we keep talking about and remembering that he's running for re-election when he's doing this interview, he he was asked about this and he gave kind of an interesting answer that he, he was asked about whether or not patients would shop around for healthcare if they had yeah. true price transparency. And I want to play for you that soundbite as well.
2: Well, they'll be able to determine the price and value. So where we're going is, number one, with bundles. And, you know, I'm an old motorcycle mechanic, so uh, the body I think of is determined carpentry, plumbing, and electrical. So we're going to bundles for carpentry, which is knees, hips, and and rotator cuffs, so that when people go in and get that surgery, uh, they pay one price. So that's going to be clear pricing in and of itself. But secondly, the opportunity for North Carolina for us to be a medical tourism destination for by having clear pricing, get rid of secret contracts, we would be able to drive tremendous uh, economies into our medical industries across North Carolina if we were known as the state with transparent healthcare pricing and billing.
1: How does that tie in, though, with the state health plan, if we if become a medical tourism state?
2: Well, the way it ties in is that it would it would create an opportunity so that people would know what they're paying for. You know, I've got an explanation of benefit sitting right here, and uh, as your viewers know, I went through an intensive care stay with COVID-19 in March. I can't tell you if this AOB was for my, uh, my COVID experience or my gallbladder being removed five years ago. People get these bills in the mail, and they really don't understand the value and the price of what they got. I believe that if you push the power down to the consumer and give them the tools to consume, that they'll figure out where the value and the price is, and that ultimately will be good for everybody, especially those of lower income and fixed income.
0: Again, yeah, this is Dale Falwell in PBS North Carolina back in November of 2020, uh, excuse me, September of 2020, as he's running for reelection, uh, talking about whether or not patients would travel for price, pa- tra- price transparency, excuse me, Ron, there have already been several laws passed about price transparency. We've talked about them before, and we've also talked about their lack of enforcement by uh, HHS. Um, But so far, in general, have we seen patients traveling because there's price transparency?
1: Um, we, We haven't. At least not inside the country. I mean, mm-hmm. we've heard of people traveling outside of the country, sure. not so much for price transparency, for but significant price reductions. We heard about people getting pharmacy, you know, medications out of Canada for those reasons. But mm-hmm. inside the country, that's very infrequent that people actually, you know, travel because of price transparency. One of the things that's important to understand about the concept of price transparency is it makes, it's logical until you understand the inside of the beast on, well, why can't I know how much my cost is going to be? Why, why can't there be someplace where it's published on how much, you know, my care is going to cost? Well, one of the reasons is there are over 10,000 different procedure codes for something a physician can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, It'd be like saying, well, I want to go into a, uh, you know, into a, uh, a restaurant and know that all the prices on the menu. Okay. The menu's the size of a telephone book. Okay. Right. So, you know, part of it is there's just so many different things that could happen. Each one had its own code. Each would have its own price. The other is, and, and I know people, it drives them nuts when they go to their mechanic and he goes, well, I don't know how much it's going to be till I get into it. Mm-hmm. Some of it's that too. You know, if, if, Dale taking his intensive care stay for COVID said before he got wheeled into the ER, Hey, how much is this going to cost me? They'd go, we don't know. It depends on how long you're here. It depends on how many drugs you use. It depends on whether we've got to put you on the ICU or right. the regular floor. It depends on, I mean, there's no way they're going to know ahead of time. It'd be like, you know, again, like calling up an auto mechanic and saying, how much is it to fix my car and I'm going, what's wrong with it? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. You need to tell me how much it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It it does it doesn't work that way in healthcare, so that's one of the problems, and that's what makes this whole concept of transparency difficult, and why there really isn't this sort of medical tourism. Now, the other thing I thought was hilarious, and and, and I'm not I'm not trying to poke fun at one political party, but Dale's a Republican, and when he talked about medical tourism, he's like, he made the statement and get rid of contracts.
2: Mm-hmm. Boy,
1: that sounds an awful lot like socialized medicine to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure he wanted to really talk about the fact that he what he was describing when he described about getting rid of contracts and having one fee is Medicare for all. Right. So probably ought to back away from that thing. And then the other thing that I found was hilarious, and this is a little bit of inside baseball, is we're going to bundles, you know, for mm-hmm. knees and hips. No, the state isn't going to bundles. Blue Cross, the people he was angry with, has already gone to bundles. Right. They did that for all of their, you know, their covered lives, state employees health plan, down to, you know, my little company, that mm-hmm. has Blue Cross as their coverage. If one of my folks needed, or I needed a knee replacement, I could get one of these bundles. And yeah, it does make sense. Dale's right. Bundles work. They're great. You can know ahead of time how much a knee replacement's going to be. You can plan for what your expense of that is going to be. Wonderful. That wasn't a state employee's health plan thing. The The people he was angry at at Blue Cross did that long before the him, mm-hmm. and they did it for the state employee's health plan too. Right, right. So there was a lot in there to unpack to go, wow, Dale, you're, you know, you're, you're really searching for re-election here. And you're saying an awful lot of stuff that, you know, really isn't your your idea,
0: right? And you know, it's you might if you're listening, you might be wondering, well, why didn't this, you know, why wasn't this more popularized? That he said these kinds of things the election. That one, it's a down ballot race that people generally don't care about. Two, the interview is on PBS North Carolina stations, and as much as I like some of the people I know that work for PBS North Carolina, it's not a very well watched network in the yeah. state. Uh, it's not you know W E T in Washington or anything like that. Um, so he he says these things, and it's interesting. He talks about the medical tourism thing because I think really when people are actually going to shop around for healthcare, and it's when they have been asked to go get something done, and they it's not an urgent issue, and they have the time to go look up and see what it would be at different. Uh, facilities or hospitals. You know, for example, you need a mammogram. You might want to shop around to see where it would cost you, depending on on where you go. Although that's a preventative care thing, in which case it's it's more covered than than some other things. But do you think that that makes more sense for the kind of shopping around than the idea that if you have a hospital stay, you're going to shop around to figure out which hospital is going to charge you the less if you need to go to the ER?
1: Yeah, I mean, and that and that's the problem is it, it's just so complicated to try to shop for. You know, how much is my bypass surgery going to cost me at a hospital? Um, And by that, by the time you get into hospital stays, especially through the ER and stuff like that, people aren't looking at at price or cost. They're not shopping Mm -hmm. from that perspective. The other thing to understand is that the vast majority of the people, um, you know, who have insurance coverage, like State Employees Health Plan, he might have gotten an enormous bill for, you know, there might have been an enormous bill for his COVID stay. He paid a very small fraction of that bill. Mm-hmm. So the 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 sticker shock of the bill wasn't his. It it was his employer's, the state employees health plan. Mm-hmm.
0: And I do think it's interesting too. And i I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to knock him for this, but the confusion over whether or not his EOB was for his COVID visit or for his gallbladder, um, they all have dates on them. Yeah. So. I was a little, I was a little confused as to what that's about. I mean, I understand how they can be confusing because usually they're not super restrictive. They might just have the CPT code on there. Right. But um,
1: and, and again, I mean, you know, going back to because I don't want this to be like the, you know, like I'm bashing Dale Falwell. No, I, I think he made a mistake with the clear choice plan. I think he got himself into a fight he couldn't win. I think it ended up costing the state money. But getting back to whether it's him or or the next treasurer or whatever. Taking a look at the state's budget and saying why is it that we spend so much more than anybody else on health and hospitals, and if we could trim that number a little bit, we'd have more thing more money for things like K through 12 education, which we should be spending more on, for police officers, for you know, uh, public welfare. You know, so I think his question and his desire to look at that part of the budget was well founded. I think he just did it the wrong way, and he, mm-hmm. and he went down the wrong path.
0: Well, he won uh, re-election by over 200,000 votes, about 52 and three-quarters of a percent of the vote. Mm -hmm. Um, And the big news that dropped last week is that they are switching the state health plan to Aetna. And, um, of course, first reaction we hear is Blue Cross Blue Shield is going to sue for that. So what do you think um, Aetna has offered him or the state of North Carolina that he would make that switch from Blue Cross Blue Shield?
1: So I think what's going on here is, first of all, Dale's doubling down, okay? Um, this whole clear pricing thing was a bad decision. It ended up costing the state money, and instead of you know backing out of it and saying, you know what, this was wrong, let's try a different attack, he's going to double down. He's going to stay with this. I can force a single rate. I'm the biggest purchaser of healthcare here, okay? And maybe he wins round two. I don't think so. Um, And so what I think Aetna has offered him is what um, payers will call a, you know, a client-specific network or a narrow network, okay? There are payers that will say for a client, a big client, hey, I'll develop a network just for you. You tell me how much you want to pay. I'll go out there and contract the network, and I'll contract it at that rate. And so I think Dale has said, hey, I want to pay 160 of Medicare or whatever his new number is. And you go sign me up a bunch of doctors. Now, you'll notice that I said it's called a client-specific network and or a narrow network Mm -hmm. because not everybody will buy at that price. So what you'll end up with is, you know, either a network of only the people that will sign at that, which means some doctors and some hospitals or maybe – Many doctors in all hospitals will say no, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got not as much choice as the state employee's health plan, which means a you know, a, a teacher may have to break their relationship with their obstetrician or with their rheumatologist or their primary care physician, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or they can't go to one of the two hospitals in town. Or Aetna contracts as many people as they can, and then they have holes in the network. And let's say there's a rural county where they go, you know what, that hospital just won't budge. And Dale might say, okay, well, fine. Put him in the network. Just pay him at your standard Aetna rates, okay? Um, and you sort of patch the network together. Any way you slice it, if he's going to receive get a reduction in his cost by lowering the reimbursement rates, it's not going to be the same network that the state employees have access to now. It'll be mm-hmm. a smaller network. Um, now, if you're a, you know, 25 year old male teacher who just started out and you don't ever go to the doctor, you might not care. Right. Um, but if you're, it's your doctor or you're the only hospital in your County, you might care a
0: lot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something important that, that I think needs to be reminded is that the state health plan is not something that doctors have to be forced into being a part of. Um, it, it's, you know, It's something that's optional for them to sign up for. I'm wondering, though, as we're talking about this, because we talked last year about um, the state of Colorado and their decision to have a, quote unquote, public option, although, as we discussed, it really wasn't a public option per se. It was kind of forcing um, providers and insurance companies to have a very low paying option. Do you think he could convince the state legislature to perhaps twist the arm of doctors to sign up for the plan?
1: Well, I think there's he's going to have two problems, first of all. I think it's a pretty big hurdle to um, get the legislature to buy onto that. It's an even bigger hurdle to get the governor to sign it. Right. Um, so even if he could, and I think the chances are light that he gets a, a law passed that somehow you know, forces providers um, into a network at lower cost, lower reimbursement, I don't think he gets the governor to sign it.
0: And I don't, and as we're talking about it, we talked about, you know, cutting Medicare is a great way to be the ex-senator for whatever state, yeah. you know, forcing doctors into a low paying plan might be a, a good way to be the ex-senator from whatever county you're from in the state of North Carolina.
1: Well, or, or, you know, messing around with the teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a voting block of, you know, he talks about, he's got 720,000 members and that's members. Now that's not all employees, but, right. but, you know, that's a lot of votes. Mm -hmm. you know i mean in in north carolina so you you got to be careful about messing around with the state employees health plan because that can be a pretty powerful voting block
0: so as i mentioned this will be effective in in 2025 blue cross blue shield is suing what are they suing for
1: well i think what blue cross Blue shield is suing for is to verify that he didn't make a poor choice of spending money in other words this is public funds so mm-hmm. when he when he awards a bid, it has to be for a good and logical reason. Well, the easiest one is it'll lower cost. Or you could say, well, this one's a little more expensive, but it has better services. So, you know, you can't, because with public money, you can't just say, hey, well, that's my buddy. That's why I'm buying from him. So I think what Blue Cross wants to say is, hey, Aetna needs to show, prove that they're going to lower cost. Why did he pick Aetna when we have the best contractual rates Um Across the board, and I think what Aetna is going to show is, well, we will contract at these other rates,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: Blue Cross is going to say, yeah, but that's not the same product, right? You know, if you're only going to have half the hospitals and half the doctors in the network, even if it's lower cost, was that really, you know, were you really acting as a, a fiduciary for the uh, the people that you serve in the state employees health plan?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that'll be an interesting case because Blue's going to challenge that this was a bad decision on his part. It's either going to raise cost or or lower choice access or benefits.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, finally, before we go, I wanted to share another clip that he, uh, another interview he did with PBS's, uh, PBS North Carolina's front row with Mark Rotterman. Uh, He was at a roundtable discussion there after he had won re-election back in January. And he was asked what he could be looking forward to in the North Carolina state legislature in this legislative cycle, which I believe has already begun. Uh, And he talked about one of those things we've talked about a few times in the program, and that would be medical debt. Take a listen.
2: Well, what I'm going to look for is what I always look for, and that is fully funding the pension plan, fully funding the state health plan and the prescription drug plan. Uh, but also giving us the enabling legislation we need, for example, on the Medical Debt Deweaponization Act. By the way, Prop 209 just passed in Arizona by 74 uh, percent two weeks ago. That had to do with medical debt deweaponization. All we really want out of health care is this, is we want the health cartel to tell people what things cost. We want them to Start offering a level of charity care that's equal to the billions and billions of dollars of tax benefit they get, and we want them to stop weaponizing people's credit scores when they don't pay their bill. So, getting the medical debt deweaponization act is very, very important to us. And one component of that that you may be interested in is that uh, I talked to a lady four weeks ago who unexpectedly became a widow at 47. Her husband was in the hospital and uh, had two hundred thousand dollars worth of medical bills in two days. Wow. Now her credit score has been weaponized and destroyed. So the medical debt deweaponization act on health care, uh, CON reform, obviously, and, and fully funding the state health plan, fully funding the pension plan, and uh, the debt services all going in the right direction with the debt of general obligation debt falling by sixty percent.
0: It's interesting he mentions medical debt, because uh, as we talked about before, it sounds like here he's, unlike before, he's he's going after after the providers here when he talks about charity care and not using credit scores uh, for medical debt. However, it's interesting that he mentions that because if I recall correctly, last year, all of the major crediting agencies said they weren't going to look at medical debt anymore when it comes to determining a credit score. So I'm curious what you, your initial reaction is to, to his uh, discussion on, on Front Row.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nishra no, sure, actually, right, he's, he's clearly taking a shot at the providers. Now, I think with Dale now, he's taking a shot at hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's angry at the hospitals, all closed ranks, and didn't do his clear pricing plan. Because he, he, I think he called them a cartel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, okay, that's, you know. And medical debt, I mean, it, it, the only thing the worse than dealing with, let's say, yourself or a loved one with some bad medical condition is then, you know, having financial ruin because of it. So I, I get the whole... Let's protect patients. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, these are folks who are providing a service. And if they have a lot of defaults from patients, where's that money going to come from? Okay, so, you know, it's sort of like you push on a balloon in one area and it's got to go up somewhere else. So to the extent that we make it harder and harder for them to collect debt that's owed to them for services rendered. You know, one or two or both of the next following things are going to happen. Either A, people are going to start or people are doctors or hospitals are going to start saying, look, I'm not going to provide this service until you give me money up front or I have to secure a credit card. Okay. or B, it's just going to raise the price on everyone else who is paying, including the state employees health plan. You know, so it has to come from somewhere. You you can't just have the scenario where somebody says, wow, I, it's unfortunate that, you know, that, that somebody was in the hospital for two days and racked up all this money. Let's just forgive that money. Um, okay, well, then if we're going to forgive that money, who's going to pay for it? Because services were rendered. Um, and again, it's, a, it's, you know, either you have to pay for it up front so that we don't have to collect at the back end or just raises the price for everybody else. You know, and so in some respects, that's almost like my concept is that, you know, it's like the uninsured driver scenario. Well, there's a reason why we try to make sure every driver has insurance because the ones that are uninsured drive up the price for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Same kind of a concept.
0: Right. uh, Do you think um, if you look into your crystal ball, do you think we're going to have medical debt laws in North Carolina like what have been passed in New York and, and, as you mentioned, here, Arizona?
1: I don't think North Carolina is going to go as far as, you know, the laws in New York. I mean, I could see, you know, some some working around the edges laws around um, transparency and notification and stuff like that. I mean, um, I don't necessarily find it problematic that the credit agencies don't use that information. But a lot of these laws really go past sort of the credit agencies and start to try to protect the patient from collection services, you know, mm-hmm. from the phone calls and all right. that other stuff. And and again, that's okay. Well, if you make it so that people can walk away from any kind of a debt, um, it increases the cost of that service for everybody else who is paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue for me for medical debt isn't really around the collection practices or the transparency or anything. The core issue of the medical debt is if we're gonna have a system where a huge chunk of the bill has to be paid by the patient, take the Affordable Care Act bronze plan, 40% of the expected expenses hit the patient. Mm -hmm. That's gonna create medical debt. And if we're gonna have a country where, you know, 30 million people don't have insurance, that's gonna create medical debt. Right. If those two things weren't there, if we, and I know that's, you know, I'm not talking, it's it's easy to say, it's utopia. If 100% of the population had insurance, and the insurance paid 95% of all the bills, we wouldn't be talking about medical debt because there wouldn't be any.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And keep looking at your crystal ball for a second, just because he mentioned certificate of need reform. Do you think that's going to come up in North Carolina this year?
1: It comes up every year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to come up this year. Um, Getting rid of the CON is not an if, but when in this state, because there's just mounting and mounting pressure to get rid of it. Um, I think it's going to happen in increments. Um, okay. I think we're going to see maybe the radiology of the MRI, CON, loosen before we get rid of all of it, meaning hospitals and, and ASCs. I think the ambulatory Surgery Center, CON will go away before we get rid of the hospital bit CON. Um, but it's going to start to, to erode. And the people who want to keep it there, um, hospitals, for example, are going to try to make that as slow an erosion as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. No, Ron, uh, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I want to thank you again for sharing your expertise with us on the Flatlining podcast.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: Finally, now, let's turn to some federal health care news. Since the House has finally elected Representative Kevin McCarthy of California to be the Speaker of the House, things are finally beginning to move forward. Representative Jason Smith, a Republican from Missouri, has been nominated to lead the influential House Ways and Means Committee. That's the committee that has oversight on Medicare and Medicaid, among other health care issues. Election still needs to be approved by the full House Republican conference. In the Senate, Senator Bernie Sanders says he is seeking to be the incoming chair of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. He wrote an op-ed piece in The Guardian this week describing the $13,000 spent on every person in the U.S. for health care as astronomical and unsustainable. He also decried the 85 million people being uninsured or underinsured and said that 68,000 people are dying because they can't afford the care they need while insurance companies reel in huge profits. They'll likely make another proposal for Medicare for All, as we have talked about previously. If he does, we'll bring it to you right here on The Flatlining Podcast. The Flatlining Podcast is a production of Fulcrum Strategies and Flatlining.net. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. You can subscribe to the Flatlining Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, Pandora, or the TuneIn app. Let us know if there's a new platform you want to find us on as well. Don't forget you can join our chat and talk with other listeners of the Flatlining Podcast by downloading the free Substack app. I'm Matthew Handley for Ron Hauergen. Have a good week.